Gen, uh, Revelation chapter 26. And I want to read the first couple of verses. What did I say? Leviticus. Okay, first thing I'm going to need to pray for is that my brain gets strapped on straight. Uh, Leviticus chapter 26. Yes, there we go. All right. I must have heard Dan talking about Revelation this morning and got my brain all mixed up. So Leviticus. And uh, we're coming to the end of this book. And all these things that the Lord has shared with Moses uh, about the priests and their garbs and the feasts and all the sacrifices and the, this book of the priesthood and how God desires all these different ways that we could serve him and remind us that he, we belong to him, he is our God, we are his people. And God, in this next two chapters, kind of wraps things up. And with that, in chapter 26, that's kind of where we're going. Um, so he lays a few things out. And the one we're going to cover today is introduction. And then uh, we'll set up for a little bit of a doozy uh, next week and maybe the week after. Uh, because of... Uh, you ever... Realize the choices that you make um, have a great effect on your life. Um, that's kind of what this chapter is about. Uh, so we'll be looking at that in the next week or two. But let, read with me, if you would, just the first two verses of Leviticus chapter 26. Ye shall make you no idols, nor graven images, neither rear up a standing image, Neither shall ye set up any image of stone in your land to bow down to unto it, for I am the Lord your God. Ye shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and what it teaches us. Lord, be with my mind I'm already kind of stumbling over thoughts. But Father, I thank you what Matt said when Dan shared this morning. Your word is truth. And Lord, we're here to uh, present it one to another, to discuss it, and let your Holy Spirit teach us. So Father, I thank you. And Lord, we've seen uh, many things in this book, guidance on how to live as his priests in this, uh, this world today. And Father, uh, you're going to be adding some closing thoughts here, and kind of where the rubber meets the road. So just Lord, help us this morning as we set the stage and remind ourselves... Uh, about this amazing truths about who you are so father thank you in jesus name amen so we just read leviticus chapter 26 go if you would to exodus chapter 20 because i think this might have sounded familiar to you anybody hear a verse ever that sounds a little bit like that thou shalt make unto me no graven images nor to bow down to them and you shall keep my sabbaths um Sounds like something else that Moses wrote for us. Something that's a lot more popular with most people called the Ten Commandments. Okay, go if you would to Exodus chapter 20 and see if this sounds like God's already uh, confirming what he has written at some other point. And God spake these words saying, I am the Lord your God. This is verse 2, chapter 20, Exodus. Which have brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, nor any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, that is in earth beneath, or that is in the waters under the earth. Thou shalt not bow thyself to serve them. Um, 
to them nor serve them, for I am the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showeth mercy unto thousands of them that love me, and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord God. It shall be, uh, it shall, let me try that again, in it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, or the stranger that is with thee in the gates. For in, the six, in six days the Lord made the heavens and earth and sea and all that is in them is, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Sound familiar, doesn't it? Sounds very similar to the beginning of uh, Leviticus chapter 26. God is reaffirming his commandments. But there's something interesting here in all we've seen throughout the book of Leviticus. God is setting a foundation for these first commandments. Now, this slide here, I want you to notice a couple of things I wrote. And if you didn't remember this, mark it down in your brain that those ten commandments are broken into two groups. Okay, so you have the ten, but there are two separate groups. The first four groups are addressed are a relationship with God himself. They are upward in their focus. Okay? We talk about having no other gods, having no images, that you don't take his name in vain, and that you remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Okay? The last six of the commandments are outward, one to another. Okay? Honor thy father and mother. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not covet. Okay? So, in understanding the Ten Commandments, we understand that there are commandments that we use to deal with others, but there are commandments that are directly focused with our relationship with God. Okay, and those first four okay, are our relationship with God. We're going to look at the foundation of those right here in Leviticus chapter 26. So next slide. All right, we're already halfway done with the sermon. No, I'm just teasing. Okay. In Leviticus chapter 26, we see these the foundation of these upward commandments, okay? And here they are. Number one, God is sovereign. Now, if you guys are remembering this, uh, we, we've dealt with this for weeks, looking at the book of Leviticus. Not only is God sovereign, okay, but God also has Sabbaths, and we've talked about those. Anybody getting tired of talking about Sabbaths? Okay, this whole book is full of sevens and Sabbaths and all these things. Notice, Sabbaths. Not a Sabbath, meaning Saturday. There are multiple Sabbaths, and we've looked at them, that God uses that number seven over and over to remind us that there's something there. Okay, I'm holding on to that thought. And then God's sanctuary, and he's talked about this all through the Word of God, all through Leviticus. And we've talked about the fact that how many times that God has said, I am the Lord thy God, I am the Lord, over and over and over in this book. And then he tells us to make sure that we do not defile his sanctuary. Okay, so those are the three points. Now, an easy way to remember this, an easy way to look at it, next slide, is, can be thought of this way, God's sovereignty is his power. Man, we had a good time in prayer before service this morning and reminded that God is in control. 
Okay, that God is all-powerful. He is almighty. We're going to read a whopper of a verse in a minute to remind us of this. And if you came in this morning without understanding that you are entering in with God's family to have a time to sit before the almighty God himself, I hope you change your Sunday morning approach. Because we come together after a week of worshiping individually to sit down with God's people and remind us how awesome our God is. That is why we are here. Okay, Number two, God's Sabbaths, and how many times do we go through this, that God has a plan? Okay, he talked about his plan over and over and over by using the number seven. God didn't rest on the seventh day of creation because he was exhausted. Okay, he could have spoke it all into existence in one thought, boom, on one day. He pictured it over seven, so that uh, over six days, so he could rest on the seventh because he's trying to remind us he has a plan that he is working. So he is powerful, he has a plan, and then his sanctuary is the, the illustration of his presence. Okay? That, that was where God tabernacled with man. That is where God dwells okay, in his sanctuary. In the Old Testament, you had to go to the sanctuary to offer your offerings. We see often you went to the temple and had the priests do things for you to communicate for you. God has done something special in us in that we are priests. We don't need to go to this building to meet with God. Now, for me, it'd be pretty easy. I live right there. Every day, I could stroll right over here if this is where I met with God, but that's not what, how it works, okay? So these three things are the very foundations of these commandments that we are talking about, and they're essential for you and I to understand the rest of this chapter, okay? So we, again, let's go to the next slide. Okay, we just see, finish how, uh, seeing how God owns everything. And we just talk about that being a bond servant for God. Uh, you're bought with a price. You're not your own. Glorify God in you with your body and spirit, which are God's. We'll read that verse in just a few minutes, okay? My life doesn't belong to me. My health doesn't belong to me. My finances, my home, everything that I have is God's. He owns it all. Okay, so with that in mind, that sets that sovereignty up. Okay, he is all-powerful. He owns everything. Let's go. Okay, we see the next part of this. God's sovereignty, his power. A couple of verses just to remind us of that. Um, our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. You ever think about that? That God is doing what pleases him. Now, does it always please us? No. But if we understand the almighty, all-powerful, sovereign God does what pleases him, it changes the way you look at things, doesn't it? At least it should. Well, I don't like this situation. Well, I'm sorry. But if you go... Yeah, but God is doing this for a reason because it is going to make him pleased. You get a different way to look at things. You ever um, have a sick kid, little baby, even, you know, got the flu or something, and the poor thing's, I mean, sick, sick. You're cleaning up after the baby all over the place and everything, and you have a very long, sleepless night. How many of you love long, sleepless nights sitting up with a sick baby? or a sick spouse, or anyone, okay? 
But you understand you're not doing that for you. You're doing that for them. So you understand there are many times in our lives that we will understand that difficult times come in our lives and we're doing that not because for us, but for the person that needs that. Well, God does everything in our lives for his purposes, for what pleases him. I don't necessarily like this, but I'm doing this because, God, you have brought this before me and I know it's going to please you. But I'm sitting up all night. doesn't matter. It's a mental thing, right? You can't believe this stupid kid is sick all night. And as bad as that sounds, I've heard parents say stuff like that. As opposed to when I remember my mother, and I still, I'm the little boy inside, right? You get sick, you get the flu, you're suffering with COVID, and you just want to lay down with your head on mommy's lap so she can put a wet washcloth on your forehead when you got your fever, right? I want my mommy. Okay, and you remember how many selfless things your mother and father did for you. Well, if we understand that the things that we go through and the thing, our life is built to please God, it changes the way things are. Here's a whopper of a verse. I love this verse. I can't read this verse without getting goosebumps. Okay? 1 Chronicles 29, 11 through 13. Let me read it without making a mistake. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Can I get an amen? For all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thy hands is power and might. And in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Therefore, now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. You talk about a powerful passage. God is sovereign. He does what pleases him. He is the almighty God. Now, we all know that. We all say amen because, again, this is kind of a summary, but God's setting you and I up, so don't sit back too much. We'll say, amen, it's good stuff. All right, we'll leave you. Hang with me a little bit. Next slide. Because God is sovereign, look at those two commandments. Thou shalt have no other. If God is who he is, if he is almighty, all-powerful, he owns us, he does what he pleases, then why would you want to have any other God? Why would you want to bow down or make any graven images? Why would you want to have any other God in place of Almighty God? Why would you want to put your own self above God? Or your family? Or your job? If God is as powerful and as mighty as we know He is. These are the foundational truths to understanding these passages. Listen, I'm not going to have any other gods because there is no other God. There is only one God who is as powerful as he is. Okay? God has Sabbaths, his plan. Okay, and we've seen this. Again, please don't make me rehearse the last, like, 15 weeks of the sevens we've covered in Leviticus. We've gone over it. Go get the tapes. But God over and over and over reminds us that he has designed things in this seven because he wants to remind us that he completes his plan. 
Okay, he's always fulfilling what he said he would do. If he makes a promise, he keeps a promise. Okay, he showed it to us in the Lord Jesus Christ through the feasts, through the seven days of creation, through the sabbatical years that God is doing things exactly the way he's laid them out to be done. Okay, you with me? So if God is all-powerful, if he is the amazing God that he is, he does what he pleases, he owns us and everything, and then he has a plan for all of it, it's all fitting together exactly the way he wants it to, to please him, then we know that all things work together for good. How many things? All, all things? All things work together for good. To them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. God has a plan because remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, please, I want to say this, and don't take this to the extreme when I say it, but Saturday is not what the Sabbath is all about. And for too many years, Christian circles in Christendom have made Saturday the big deal. Saturday is not the big deal. God has a plan for the universe. That is the big deal. Every time God references back to the Sabbath or a seven, he's trying to remind us, guys, I've got this worked out. Just sit back. I'm doing exactly what I told you I was going to do. I've made a commitment. I've made a promise. I've sevened this deal. I've put my stamp of approval on it. It is going to happen the way I said it was going to happen. That is what Sabbath is about, not seven days, not like, oh my goodness, I can't walk from here to the grocery store because it's a Saturday. We've missed, focused it. We've lost the forest because of the tree. The issue here is, is your life going according to God's plan? Now, if you're questioning answering that question, we've got to go start the whole book over again. Please don't make me do that. Is your life going according to God's plan? Yes, it is. Now, can you stand in the way and mess things up? Yep, but God's still got a contingency for that too. God is working his plan. He is sovereign. He is control. You and I belong to him as believers. He is doing what he said he would do. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. God's doing what he's doing. Are you helping him or hindering him? (gasps) Hold on to that thought. Next slide. God's sanctuary, which again represents his presence, whether it was the tabernacle, whether it was the temple, whatever it was, is God is dwelling with his people. That is what it is about whether it was in the tabernacle in the wilderness, whether it was the temple in Jerusalem, where does God dwell now? Huh? What is God's sanctuary in his tabernacle right now? Right here, us. Now, I don't know about you, we talk about that in a very, you know, informational, scholastic kind of way, but aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? That God dwells within you? That's something special that you and I have as Christians. That's why we are priests in the way we are. I don't have to go to a priest anymore as a go-between. Because I am the tabernacle. I am the temple. I am the priest. God is right here with me every single moment of every single day. 
That's why I can pray without ceasing. I don't have to go to a building. I don't have to go to another person. Because one of the privileges of being a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is he sends his Holy Spirit who is with us day in and day out. We are the temple. How do we know that? What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which ye have of God and you're not your own? You are bought with the price. Do you belong to you? I don't belong to me. I try, to try, I try to take myself back all the time, but I'm bought with a price. I belong to somebody else, not just my wife. Um, anyway, all right. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall, oops, oh yeah, okay. Him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. You are the place, the sanctuary of God, where his presence dwells. Next slide. 2 Corinthians. What, hath agree, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. God has taken up residence right here. Thank the Lord, not in this old building, 1700 and whatever it was built in, right here. Of course, I wonder, as rickety as this thing is, I wonder if our physical bodies are any better. <laughs> as God has, oops, back up one more. Okay, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they will be my people. That is what the book of Leviticus has been hammering every week. I am the Lord your God. I want to dwell with you. What a privilege. How amazing is this? Now the next slide. Ephesians says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Now I want you to notice a couple slides back. It said, who's the temple of God? We and the church, because that's where God's people gather together. Wherever two or more are gathered, I'm what? In the midst of. God dwells with his people. That's why it says we are the household of God. He dwells not just in me, but when you and I get together, he's right there with us because he dwells in both of us. Look what it says, the rest of this. And built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Next slide. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom ye are also builded together for an habitation of the Spirit. We together are the dwelling place. We are where the presence of God is. You ever think about how awesome it must have been? So the tabernacle, and the tabernacle would have this pillar of smoke, pillar of cloud over it during the day to show God's presence was there. And that same tabernacle would have a pillar of fire over it to show God's temple is there and you could look from miles away and see that tabernacle sitting there and know the presence of God was in that place that is the example that you and I should be having that the presence of God lives in us now man I thought I think it would be pretty cool how many of you have played the sims so video game I'm looking at the age of some of you kind of going sims what in the world are the sims Okay, Sims are these weird characters you play in a computer, but all of them have a little thing over the top of their head. 
It could be a diamond. It could be a moon. It could everywhere they walk, you can tell right which person is where because they have the little icon thing over their head. Wouldn't it be cool if, because I'm a temple of God, I had a pillar of fire over my head everywhere I went? You know, where no no matter where you walked in the world, you could go. That guy is in the presence of God. He's got fire coming out of the top of his head. Okay, now I've had children. I've had fire coming out of the top of my head before. But not in that way. But that's the imagery. God wants us to be so evident in this world that the presence of God dwells in us. And that's one of those things over the last few weeks I've been telling you. The praise and glory of God that should be dominating our conversations as believers. Because we ought to be illustrating that we are a place where God's presence exists should be evident now all these things now notice the next part of this slide i don't want to jump ahead of myself too much because we have the presence of god continually thou shalt not to take the name of the lord thy god in vain now we've talked about this before but it just as a reminder in this context taking the lord thy god name the name of the lord god in vain is not cussing it's not swearing or using profanity Taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain is saying, I'm a tabernacle, I'm a temple, I'm the sanctuary, and then not acting like it. We just saw the verse that says, what common thing, what fellowship has the temple of God with idols? There is none. If you're God's temple, you have no other gods before him. It circles back to what we were just talking about. This chapter starts out with, if you are God's, if you are a bond slave to him, if he belongs to you, you belong to him and everything you own and you're committed to him, then why would you have anything else in your life that doesn't reflect God's presence in your life? You with me? One of you. Okay, everybody's going, what did he just say? It was too much, I couldn't hear it. Next slide. Notice, guys, God's power, God's plan, God's presence, we have a choice. And that's what the rest of this chapter comes down to. Are you going to live by God's commandments because he is powerful, because he has a plan, because his presence dwells in you, or are you going to live for yourself? I love the fact that God loves us enough to not make us robots where we just have to do what we're programmed to do. We have a choice. But that choice comes with consequences. So he's laid out this entire book about what he wants the priests to do, and then he's summarizing here in the last two chapters saying, because of who I am and who you know I am, now what are you going to do about it? How are you going to live your life? Now here's the point. I can't cover them all today. Next slide. That's what the remainder of chapter 26 is about. In the week to come, there are 20 plus benefits to keeping God's commitments that he's going to list in the rest of this chapter. There are 20 plus consequences for not keeping God's commitments. If you want to read the rest of this chapter, please go ahead and do so. He says, for those who are going to walk in my ways and and put me first and keep my commandments, I will, dot, dot, dot. But if you're not, let me kind of tell you what's going to happen in your life. 
Now, church, this is where we're at. We've spent a long time going over this book. We've talked about many things that God has pictured in his Old Testament to remind us of the behaviors that his priests, us, should be doing. The question is, are you? Am I? We have a choice. You can walk out of here today and say, Preacher, good sermon. Dan, amen. You, what a way to end the book of John. We, we covered all of John's teachings in the last couple of years. Awesome. Walk out the door and do absolutely nothing different than you've been doing. And continue to live, not like I've been bought with a price, but live for my own self. Bless you. The best part about this is the end of the chapter talks about a way you confess and get it right. God doesn't just leave it as, if you follow me, you're in good shape. If you don't, there's going to be problems. He puts one more section in there and says, but if you confess it and get it right, I'll put you back into the place you're supposed to be. Because that's the kind of God we have. So the next week or two, depending on how things go, we're going to be looking at the rest of these. I don't think you and I have the opportunity to go over almost 60 different blessings and consequences this morning. So I'm done. I told you it would be sermonette-ish. But don't close your Bibles up and say, whoa, that's awesome. Early lunch. Is God all-powerful in your life? Does he have an absolute plan that you know he's working and you don't have to be concerned about it? And is his presence so evident in your life that you wouldn't dare call yourself a Christian in front of people because you'd be ashamed that they knew who you really were? Or are you saying, listen, I'm not taking the name Christian in vain. I'm, I'll gladly say I'm a Christian because that's how important my God is to me and that's the kind of life I'm choosing to live. You and I have a choice. How are we going to live now that we know how awesome our God is? He's laid out a whole book of Leviticus with a bunch of in, interesting little rules that remind us what the privilege it is to be one of his. What are we going to do with it? Next week, we're going to look at some of the blessings and some of the consequences for making the wrong choices or the right choices. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I am not going to stand here and pretend that I got this down. Lord, you know, in every human being's life, we have a struggle with sin. Lord, in a Christian's life, someone who surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and understand we're bought with a price, we still sometimes kick, kick against that, Lord, and resist that and want to do our own thing. Well, Lord, in this chapter, you remind us about how awesome you are. Father, and what's amazing to me, in these three points in his power, in his plan, in his presence. That are the three areas that the children of Israel fell in over and over. And it's the same areas that we struggle with as believers. Father, you are all-powerful. You are sovereign. Everything is under your control. You live our lives for us in how it pleases you. You lay things out in front of us, Lord, because we're yours, the whole world. But Father, with that, we don't have to doubt because we have a plan. You're working your plan. If we would just truly trust you for the almighty God that you are, 
and walk in your ways, we know all things work together for good. And then, Father, please, when we can live that kind of life, praising and worshiping you for who you are, understanding that every step in our life is laid out by you if we would walk in it, then we understand, Father, your presence is with us. Lord, you dwell amongst the praises of your people where two or more are gathered in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. You are in the midst. Father, we cherish your presence. But Lord, please make sure that as we're claiming to be one of yours, we're acting like one of yours, living like one of yours, not having that name Christian in vain. Father, thank you so much for your word. Help us as we go out this week to share the praise and the worship of our God in front of others. In Jesus' name, amen.